starting a business is way easier than you think. It's way harder than, than you expect, but it's not that hard to get started. To anyone, I would encourage them, if you have the itch, go scratch it. I'm pleased today to have someone who I think is pretty well known in the industry, Bob Freedy. He is the former co-founder and CEO of Hazard Hub and now the VP of Hazard Hub at Guidewire. Welcome, Bob. Hello. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. You are one of the people who has worked in InsureTech and had an exit to a well-known player in the industry. So maybe you could share a little bit about your background, kind of how it led you to co-found Hazard Hub and kind of how that led to, to where you are today. Sure. Uh, if, if we go way, way back, <clears throat> I've always been fascinated with maps. I love maps. Um, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I was the map guy in the family. Like, give us the directions how to get here. You know, give it to, give it to little Robbie and he'll, and he'll figure out the directions. And it led to a career um, in doing geospatial analysis. The reason why we started the company goes back years where my former mother-in-law lived on a river in Massachusetts and her house flooded. So I looked up all the data and saw that she wasn't in a flood zone, but she was right next to one. Then I asked her if anyone ever told her that she was next to a flood zone. And the answer was no. The bank didn't tell her because she wasn't in the zone and the insurance company didn't tell her because she uh, is not covered for flood in a standard policy. So the river came up and did its thing, and, and you know, for the for the lack of a couple of good sump pump batteries, you know, she had a big loss. And I was I was thinking, you know, we can solve this with technology. We can make this available to people. So um, I got together with uh, my two co-founders, John Sigmund and Brady Faust, who have a background in this sort of thing, and we decided to build a company, and that's how Hazard Hub was started. And so. Ultimately, the the sort of business model and the revenue model was to license the technology to people, or did that evolve yeah. over? Well, yeah, you have a well. Initially, we were going to be a lead gen play by giving away risk reports and then selling the leads on the back end. And what we figured out is we're really not very good at that. We didn't have the domain expertise, so our our first and only pivot was to make this available to people. We call our market insurance companies and the companies who love them. Um, you know, we really wanted to take advantage of technology. You know, going back to the fact that you managed to sell the platform before you had a platform and, you know, uh, essentially bootstrap the business. Did you ever kind of reach a point where you thought about taking some outside money and trying to scale it faster through that and build that credibility on on your own with, you know, especially coming from the marketing space? Yeah, I've done dozens and dozens of pitches. And it's not like people didn't want to give us money. People wanted to give us cheap money. Like I knew what the pipeline was. I knew it. And I never sold against the future pipeline because that just gets you into a whole world of hurt. So people would offer us money. And I'm like, well, are you kidding me? You know, really? You think you're going to get a piece of my business for this when I've already got pipeline? 
So that was one thing. The second thing is we're old. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of ageism when it comes to raising money, especially if they don't know you. Like now that we're proven, then it's easier to raise money. But when you're new and you're older, there's a challenge to raise money. Um, and then the third is we were kind of, you know, more money, more problems. And if you raise money at the wrong valuation, you can be out in your own company. And that we, John and I have been fired nine times between us. He leads five to four. <laughs> so we're like, we're not the easiest people in the world to work with. And we knew that. So we wanted fewer people on the table rather than more people on the table. So <laughs> the uh, not so easiness to work with, are there aspects of, of, the, of that, those elements of your personality that you know, drove your success ultimately, or is it not really connected? Oh, it's a huge part of it. And, and I, and I, you know, some people would call it jerkiness. Other people would call it confidence or knowledge of what's going to happen. When you start a business, you're alone. You know, there's, it is, it's you. And, and my co-founders, the three of us, that was it. You know, we had to ultimately believe in what we were doing to the point where if you told us no, we just said goodbye. You know, it's like, hey, all right, you're not ready. Got to go. You know, I walked into a top five carrier and had to, I drove there. It took me a while to drive there. And the first question was, well, who else is using you? And my answer was, well, it's not going to be you because you're not ready for us. That question tells me you're not ready for us and ended the meeting in, in 10 minutes and had to drive all the way back listening to my co-founder say, I told you so the entire way, which is really <laughs> pissing me off. So uh, I think that desire to be right is certainly um, present with a lot of entrepreneurs and it's hard. You know, it, it takes a big leap to make that jump and your confidence sometimes is the only thing that you have. So, so in terms of the three of you, did, did, did you have, you know, you were the CEO, but did you have clear lines as to who was responsible for what, or were you kind of a three headed monster with some blurriness there? It was a little bit of both. Uh, Brady was responsible for the science. I was responsible for the technology and the product. Uh, John was responsible for sales, the business, and then he and I were both responsible for he, – he took care of all the legal, the account, all the stuff that I'm just not very good at, he handled. Uh, and then he and I worked together uh, to um, do sales and marketing, and eventually we funneled it so he ran all client relationships because it just – when you have two people doing the same thing, it, it gets fuzzy. So while I was out there – at every conference I could get in front of, every time I could get, give me a microphone and a, and a, and a, and a stage, you know, I'm on. Um, <laughs> that's, that was my role is to, is to be the hype man almost. And then yep. when there was a sales opportunity, eventually I would route it to John. That way we had consistency across all of our sales integrations. And, and that's, you can fall into the trap of trying to do too much. So, and it changed over time because I would say at the beginning, I was responsible for much of the things. And then as the business grew, 
the other guys just took much more of the things and allowed me to focus on the stuff I really like to do, which was talking to people and publishing stuff and, and coming up with cool marketing things. Did you have any concerns with sort of, you know, hiring within your close network that you, you, you sort of had a group where, where may, maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't see what you didn't see because you kind of had similar backgrounds and similar, similar experiences? Yes, that's always a concern. But we knew that we had a focus and we thought we had a really good idea. So do I want someone to sit there and be negative just to balance up my opinion? No, no, of course not. They're off the boat. Do I want someone to challenge my thinking? To say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, or have you tried it this way versus tried it that way? That's different. That is, we, we call it the Delphi method where you keep talking and eventually it, it, it's like a piece of glass. You know, you, you tumble it around enough times and it smooths out and it, it's something that you're not going to cut yourself on. That is definitely part of our management structure. Where, where do you see some of the interesting areas going going forward or any particular trends in, in, in the industry around innovation? I, I think the most interesting parts are the parts that, make the basics better. Like, you know, understanding the, the risks of a property, understanding what a property is constructed of, understanding what the roof condition is like, those are basics of the business that are improved through technology. Those are the parts that are exciting to me. You know, people will have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things, and I certainly have those and don't want to besmirch any of my fellow co-founders because what do I know? Uh, but if you're not, the industry doesn't love revolution. It it barely is just getting its hands around evolution. So if if you're trying to revolutionize the industry, keep keep your don't keep your burn rate low. You're gonna need to. So I wanted to go back to one thing you mentioned, just maybe get into the exit a little bit. So you said, you know, mm -hmm. you guys because you were starting this business a little later in life, you know, your your plan was always to to, to try to sell it. So were there th certain things you did from day one, or maybe not day one, but but early in the in in the evolution of the business, sort of with that end in mind? Yep, absolutely. Um, first of all, we started out as a C corp. Um, which a lot of people don't do. They'll go as an LLC or an S. It's like, if you're serious about selling, be a C, because there's a lot of benefits to it down the road. So that was the first step. The second step is that we consciously focused on profitability. You know, get to profitability, because that's going to be a measurement that at some point is going to matter. Um, and then the third is keep your cap table light. Give away your equity like it was your teeth. Did you reach a point where you decided, all right, you know, it's time or was it sort of more opportunistic where you got approached type of thing and then decided to explore? One of the first things that we did, and this is probably part of the previous question is we wanted to know at what point would the number make us say, okay, we're real, we're ready to go. So we had that discussion with the three of us quite a bit and we set a target. We said, if we get, if somebody offers us this much money for the business, then we're out. And then we raised it once. We doubled it, actually. And if somebody gives us this, 
will we take it? And so we knew what that number was. So that was the that was the level at which it became apparent that we would be willing to do something. And then we went to we were part of Creative Destruction Lab, which was wonderful. Uh, and there were a bunch of people who'd been through exits, and they're like, given the numbers that you're telling me, you're at your number. And that's that was the point that we hired a banker. Well, um, really appreciate your time. Anything we didn't cover that you want to hit before we wrap up? No, I I would say this. Your business is way easier than you think. It's way harder than than you expect, but it's not that hard to get started. To anyone, I would encourage that if you have the itch, go scratch it. You might be wrong. So what? You know, go take the chance. All right, great. Well, Bob Frady, the uh, CEO and co-founder at Hazard Hub and now the VP of Hazard Hub at Guidewire. It was great to have you on. Really appreciate your very uh, open and direct insights. And, uh, you know, hope to talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Josh.